This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your every Monday and Friday video cast live on Twitch, rebroadcast on YouTube. And as always, you can check us out on iTunes if you don't like looking at our glorious faces. And shirt, that's a cool shirt. I like the Death Star shirt. I almost wish you had your Rhino shirt on, man. Oh man. I wish you had your Rhino shirt. Uh, anybody, anyway guys, thank you so much for joining us. Today, we are going to be talking about more 8th edition goodness. The game has been released into the wild, so to speak. Both Pablo and myself were at a tournament this past weekend. There was actually a number of tournaments in our area, both on Saturday and Sunday. And there's reports coming in from tournaments all over the place. We had uh, at the Boise, uh, what was the event Boise called? GT. The Boise GT. At, and the name of the store was Gamers Haven? I think it was Gamers Haven. I'm not sure. I remember. And in, in chat, they're talking about it, so I'm sure they'll correct me if I did say that incorrectly. And uh, we wanted to talk about sort of uh, we kind of tried the ITC missions, like, the, pretty much. Yes. Which, I mean, calling it the ITC missions is a little bit misleading. They're, based, they're book missions yeah. with very minor modifications. Uh, Pablo and I wanted to talk about that because we did get a chance to play those out in the wild, uh, not just in testing here with ourselves. And uh, we got to see other people's reaction, not only to the missions, but to 8th uh, edition in general. Had a lot of fun. Uh, and, and in general terms, wanted to discuss basically where 8th edition seems to be at. If you would please jump over to the show notes when you have a chance, Mr. Pablo. And uh, anyway, guys, Matt Pashby says uh, he won best in faction at the Boise GT, which is pretty awesome. Hand it over, buddy. Oh, there it is. There you go. There. So you're going to have to click through it. Yep. Oh, right there. Click on. That's not it. Oh, okay. Yep. We're actually on the website. Got yep. it. Sorry, what, guys. I'm this, new. What is this amateur hour stuff? You guys are supposed to get the show notes ready before we started broadcasting. <laughs> Shame. You and Mariana both on my naughty list. Okay, so the scroller doesn't work. So anyway, guys, uh, we're going to jump in and talk about a couple cool things that are going on. Then we're going to dive in and talk about the event itself, our lists, who we played, the people that were there, all that stuff. Because be it was a really good litmus test to see where people are at with 8th edition kind of comments, concerns, how it appears to be uh, going, all that good stuff. Because uh, that was the first time we got to go play at a tournament. Yes. Which was, I had a great time. Really, really, really a lot of fun. But uh, news first. So uh, tons of events. We have a lot of event information going on right now. The SoCal Open continues to sell really well. Uh, at this rate, the 40K GT is going to blow the BAO out of the water in terms of attendance, which is crazy for a first year event. And the BAO sells out like that, right? I mean, yes. that, that's year, what are we on, year seven yeah. of the BAO? Uh, yeah, oh my God, I can't believe that's already year seven. Already uh, on year seven of that event, but the, the SoCal Open is going to blow past it. Like where we're at in sales projections, probably going to be in well into the 200s for the 40K wow. GT. And that's crazy because the BAO was the second largest 40K single singles 40 in the country in the country yeah and the lvo of course was the well, first the lvo is so ridiculously gigantic on that 40k championships that it's silly 
But, you know, the next closest was the BAO. Yes. And now the SoCal Open looks like it's going to jump, leapfrog it into that number two right. position. Right, inaugural year. In its first year, which that's crazy. That does not happen. I think that really is an indicator of how popular 8th edition is. We just picked up a subscriber, Mariana, if you would, or Pablo, if you wouldn't mind scrolling up. Uh, Mr. Inquisitor. Mr. Inquisitor. I believe Mr. Inquisitor previously had subscribed to us, but you know what, buddy? We're, the resub. we're super stoked to have you back. And again, guys, if you do want to subscribe to our Twitch channel, we really, really genuinely appreciate the support. It's $4.99 a month, or you can do it for free with a Twitch Prime. I keep, I say that every time, an Amazon Prime account. You can subscribe for free, and the money uh, that comes to us, we use it to pay for the equipment, the cameras, Mariana's salary, all that good stuff. And thank you so much. The more, we, the more subs we get, the more energy we put into Twitch to make it even better. And Mariana worked all weekend, by the way, on getting uh, some of those videos uploaded from our video battle reports and um, on finding ways to make the stream better so that we can stream in 1080p. Uh, we are going to invest into a new stream machine. We determined that that was the better investment as opposed to getting um, uh, fiber optic because it turned out that what was holding us back was not our internet connection. It was our um, hardware. So we're good. we are going to buy a very expensive computer, and it's all that money that we've gotten from subscribing. doesn't cover it all, but it will in time, and we're willing to make that investment. So sorry. So thank you so much. And holy moly. We Captain just, Solis. And D.S. Carlatella. Wow. D.S. Carlatella. Guys, like, honored. Thank you for so much for supporting um, what we're doing. It's awesome. And anybody out there that wants to come and play, Please let us know. We love getting new faces and new armies on the stream. Hit me up at contact at frontlinegaming.org. I do the scheduling for the games, and we would love to have you if you're in, uh, in, around, or can get to the San Diego area. We'd be happy to have you here in the studio. Have you lost a game on stream oh, with the challenge? Oh, in a, in, a com in a truly competitive game, no. Okay. Not yet. Come down here. He's not that. He's mortal. You I kicked my ass, but then I didn't expect you to know how to play Tau at all. And I was kind of taking, I, at the first I was taking it easy on you, and then you went straight for the throat. Right. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> and uh, that, was a, that was an ass kicking. You got me back this weekend, though. I, I molly whomped you this weekend. Pretty good. But then, again, and we'll talk about that. Right. The mission was, that in the beginning when I got super frustrated, I was like, this game is going to be so, so ridiculously simple. Yeah, we'll, we'll, and we'll go into that. We'll talk. We'll go into that. It's a fun story, I yes. think. Yeah, and Pablo and I did play each other in round three at the tournament. But anyway, back to the SoCal Open. This is shaping up to be a premier event. We believed it would be, but it's always exciting to see it happen. So please grab your tickets. I know we still have, it's in October, we still have plenty of time, but uh, it is starting to fill up. The Age of Sigmar and 30K events have good turnout. Uh, War Machine Hordes tickets already selling. And I will be able to get Drop Zone, Drop Fleet Commander. It looks like tickets up for sale this week. I was waiting on the TO to get me the player pack. Um, they sent me one with the wrong event name on it. And I was like, I know you guys are busy, but I seriously cannot post this. <laughs> you know, like, I can't say someone else's event on it. And I'm no dig on them. They're very busy. But uh, they did get me that correction. So that's great. And in other news, the BAO is coming up at the end of July. That is going to be a massive 8th edition event. It's gonna, I think it's going to be very telling as to where the early meta is going to be. Uh, 150 players, of course, sold out with a 30-player waiting list. So... Always a great event. Can't wait to see how it goes. And Pablo, I know you keep your finger on the competitive pulse. Uh, Pablo's podcast, Chapter Tactics, very popular. Has been getting a 
crazy amount of downloads lately. Yeah. Uh, well done, buddy. And uh, what do you predict out the gates? Uh, and I know to cap caveat emptor, it's a very fluid situation. A lot of things that are good right now may not be good in a couple of weeks. So based on where we're at right now, what do you predict either player or list that's going to jump out ahead early at an event like the BAO? Well, so looking at the Boise Cup GT, um, there were a lot of big name players there, um, but none of them, with the exception of Thomas Hegstrom Oki, who will not be attending the BAO, um, uh, and uh, I guess Jeremy Vassier, who, who made the top table, um, a lot of them didn't actually do very well. They did, they did solid, they didn't well, and I think that's actually going to spread out throughout the entire country. So I think a lot of big name players like Pajama Pants, they'll stay in the top tables, but I think some of the others that you might have seen traditionally in the top eight, um, Aaron Along, you know, I'm not calling him out, but I think there's the transition to eighth edition is going to start taking its toll on people as as the year progresses. So, yeah. so you're gonna see new faces. I, is, I, is basically what I'm saying. I, I, I want to agree with and reiterate your point. I was just talking to uh, Mike Brandt, who is the head organizer for the Nova Open. Really, really good friend of mine. Um, we talk constantly. Obviously, he's also one of the playtesters. Right. Um, he went to a relatively good-sized um, event over there uh, in the East Coast. I wish I could remember the name of the store. Uh, they host ITC events all the time. Awesome store. I, I apologize. I'd love to give you your plug, but I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Um, he was saying that they had some of the best East Coast players there bringing what they thought were like hardcore 8th edition armies. And the guy that won brought his 5th edition Blood Angels that had like one of everything. And he played against, he played through some of the top East Coast players and won and won the event Wow! with a very well-rounded army, which is in our testing, what we have seen, the hardcore spam armies with very few exceptions actually do not perform that well in, especially when you're using really good tournament style missions, mm -hmm. the well-rounded armies we have found are the ones that win. And this was a guy who like literally brought his fifth that army and to be fair, he won the Nova Invitational back then. So clearly yeah, high caliber player. He's not, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's not, he didn't just like stumble in off the street and <laughs> kick everybody's butt. But uh, you know, he had like one Storm Raven, he had, he had a Dreadnought, you know, he had uh, Assault Squad and, and he took it. And, and if you all want to go check the last competitive uh, Twitch video battle report that we had, myself versus James uh, Carmona, very, very good player. He won the tournament we went to on Sunday. Yes. Um, he took what the internet, what, what, what many voices on the internet are saying, this is so broken. Uh, it was a smite, spam, demon prince, uh, um, chaos army. And uh, I, put, I took a tiered army with literally not one repeated unit. Every unit was different. And, and again, this is no dig on James. He did have cold dice too. I smashed him. Yeah. Like it wasn't even, it wasn't even close. And it's like a lot of these things that people are having a really strong emotional reaction to like, this is so broken. When you actually put it on the table and play, it's not nearly as good as you think it is. No. Right? Like Smite Spam will pop up really quick. Uh, and I'm getting tons of emails from people like, oh, I'm tabling everybody with Smite Spam. And I'm like, what? Okay, like, what are you playing against and how are they playing? Because the counter tactics for Smite Spam are, are, they're like basic, basic tactics. Very simple and easy to counter it. Right? You, you feed them a unit that you can afford to lose and then you counterattack and usually destroy them. Um, it's not that challenging to counter things like Smite Spam. 
Uh, and again, want to reiterate some of the core tactics of 8th edition screening units. You either need like a very durable screen or you need a very numerous and cheap screen, right? And then you're like, yeah, go ahead. Fly at me with your eight demon princes or whatever. Go ahead and kill 16 conscripts or, or, or whatever. Right. And then I'm going to counterattack all your demon princes and probably smoke you, right? Yes. It, and again, it's not like it's going to work every time. You, could you make a flying circus army work? Yeah, totally can. But if your whole list concept revolves around maxing out one thing that you think is really good, you're probably not going to do better than two and three, three and two, something like that. Right. Would be my, would be my estimation. And at the event we were at this weekend, um, none of the like what I would call spam lists performed very well. Oh, I didn't see. I, I guess you're right. There was a Castellan robots list of, that was pretty spammy. Had like eight or nine Castellan robots, which are. Which and how did he end up doing? Um, I think he ended up going one and two. Yeah. Or, or zero and three. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, and then your your army was it was spammy, but you didn't spam out the same weapons. I think no, it's just because the models that you so. have. Well, well, yeah, that and that and I, I felt like like mixing up your t your because you want to be able to wound multiple toughness values on a three up, but still have a decent amount of firepower. That's that's kind of I feel like if you want a shooty army, that's what you want. So don't spam like one type of weapon. You should have a variety of weapons. And obviously, Gilman's really good. He makes all the weapons around him better. Um, but yeah, I guess you could say it was kind of spammy. But I went one and two. Um, so we can talk about that when we talk about our matchups. But um, I think I think you're probably right. And the other thing I'm noticing with the spammy lists is a lot of them are rock paper scissors. Um, so for example, a knight list might be like a spamming horde list. Um, in most missions, except maybe the missions with the most, like scouring and big guns never tire, um, but they'll lose to uh, like a spamming commander suit list, right? That can just kill knights. But that commander suit list will absolutely get wrecked by another spammy list. So the spammy list, I'm, I'm just kind of seeing because they're so they're so hyper and they're so extreme, they're so easy to get countered by another list that's equal to it that uh, they're going to balance each other out. And I think the real balance is is, is a balanced list. I think that's probably where you might start seeing like the truly good players shine. I think that, that you said it well, the spam list as always is like, like it's kind of like a crutch. Right. And I say that with no malicious intent. It's a tool that will take a player that is kind of just budding into a competitive player and jump you up into a realm where you're winning more often than you're losing. And so a lot of people falsely identify that with being like super good. But if you look at the, the best players, right, except at the end of seventh edition when it was just a fucking mess, in this edition, I really believe, I genuinely believe that the player that takes a tool for everything and then uses it correctly is going to win more often with a list that at first glance does not look hyperpowered. Right. Right. In playtesting, like with Tyranids, for example, when you really hone it and you're like, okay, I've got something for everything, it is extraordinarily difficult to beat. Now, now, to be fair, um, the counter-argument to all of this is that the Boise Cup GT, the winner, I think he was a Blood Angels player, or he had a red Space Marine army, um, but he, he won with, like, Storm Ravens and some yep. Storm Talons. Um, it, it, was, it, was, it was pretty spammy. I've seen spammier Storm Raven lists. Uh, I think he only ran four or five Storm Ravens. He didn't run seven. Um, and I think he had a little bit of countering. I think he had Storm Talons. I think he had something else. Uh, conscripts, I think he had 100... 100 conscripts or 40 conscripts with a commissar 
Um, I'm not 100% sure. I just looked at the list last night, like at 2 a.m. I was just looking through the boys. So I haven't actually gotten a chance to study the list yet. Are those up on BCP? They are. They're on Best Coast Pairings, the Best Coast Pairings player app. Uh, Boise Cup GST is a sponsored event, so you can just go in there and look at other people's lists. Uh, the top table was Jeremy Vissier with a Harlequins list, a really good Harlequins list. Um, and then, of course, Jeremy, he's a smart guy. He's a great list builder. So he always builds, you know, these really uncanny, you know, lists that are they're hard to run for normal people. Um, but the, I think that was probably a good game to watch. Um, I'd like to know how that went. So Yeah, and then the Storm Raven spam list jumped out, and it, it is quite good. Yes. But we, we in testing, we found that, like, again, if you have the tools for the job or if you understand the nuance of the addition, you can defeat it, uh, especially when it comes to uh, objective missions. Um, it is not in any sense uh, unbeatable at all. Um, and when you do the math on it, taking it down, it's like, I, I forget if you took seven Storm Ravens, which I believe is the max you can fit, it's the equivalent of taking out like 12 or 13 Rhinos. So it's like if you have the firepower to do that, then it's really not mathematically that much uh, different than just taking out like a mechanized sister's army. Right. Um, and, and every Storm Raven you kill uh, decreases their firepower dramatically, by a lot. Dramatically. Like if, if you can kill two Storm Ravens, which is very, very, it, it should be, you, it should be, if you have a shooting army, it should be elementary. Like you should be able to kill two Storm Ravens turn one easily, right? Even if they go first and, and kill your stuff. Um, but if you kill two Storm Ravens, that I don't I don't see how storm ravens could kill like like just my army for example I have two rhinos with with four devastators all with las cannons and missile launchers if I kill two storm ravens I, I don't see five storm ravens killing all those devastators well no you and the way you run it too and, and well this is worth segueing a little bit we're still talking about the BAO believe it or not but uh, <laughs> the way you ran it was really really smart right. so Pablo had four devastator squads five man in rhinos which reduces his drops to right. increase your odds of going first. Whether you're playing auto go first or not, it's still increasing your odds of going first. But the really genius part about it is that you can't kill the guys inside until you kill the rhinos. And if you kill the rhinos, Pablo's stoked because now they're out and they don't count as moving in his turn when it comes time to shoot. So their accuracy is increased. Right. And um, another funny thing I did to uh, an orc player I played turn one was when my rhino died, um, my, one of my guys got out and I rolled a one. And so the... Company Ancient, who's the flag who on a four plus your guys get to shoot when they die. Um, the last cannon got out and died, but I rolled a four and then he got out and he put like three wounds on a truck before he died. So. Oh, and then also just an aside, are you putting? You have Armorium Cherubs, don't you? Yes. Yeah, I'm 99% certain they take actually take up a spot in the transport. No. Yeah, all like all of the like ammo runs, um, anything that's on a base is actually a model and it's actually in the unit. Because yeah, and it can't be targeted, and it can't. Be that targeted. one might be the exception to the rule, and we will we'll double check. Mm. But I know which. I mean, whatever. It's if you made a mistake, you made Eighth a mistake. Edition. I'm not trying to like. <laughs> I'm not trying to like call you out or anything. It right, just popped right. into my head. Oh no. But I'm like 99% certain that anything like that does actually take up a spot in a transport. That's... But you know what? Who cares? That's a dis that's a discussion for another day. It's still a really good tactic. Yes. And the other thing you were doing is you had Lias Sison with three other units of devastators yeah. that are off the damn table. Yes. So it's like sure. Go first. I don't care. Yes. Right? And so, like, a lot of the alpha strike potential that that army has, and again, if you're playing with line of sight blocking terrain, which you must to have a good game in 8th edition, so much of the spammy stuff just doesn't work. Like, I'm not saying that you'll never win a game. You will. You win a lot of games. But if you go up against a canny player who has taken some of this stuff into account, 
you, there's definitely, definitely ways to overcome it. And don't forget, Magnus can fly up and chop one of those things in half because he's got the fly keyword, so you can you can attack, you can assault things that are flying, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we've done that in a oh, bunch of our games. Storm ravens. Yeah. Yeah. You can chop, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't usually work very well, but I, there's so many times I'm like I'm charging him with my assault marines, like yeah. So it, it's going to be really interesting for me. My prediction for the BAO is that I do not have one. I think it's going to be a complete crap shot. Cheater. Uh, not even putting himself on the chopping block. Well, it's just that so <laughs> many people, and I say this with not meaning to be mean, just don't know what they're doing in 8th edition nope. yet. You're right. So, it's, I mean, it's going to be a puncher's chance. It's going like, to be like watching uh, the first UFC. It's like, <laughs> what? There's going to be a kickboxer versus a sumo wrestler versus a boxer who only has one boxing glove. Right. There's a Canadian guy punching a Japanese guy in the nuts repeatedly. It's just going to be madness. And I'm really interested to see how it shakes down because I have no idea what what it's going to be. I think it's going to be too early. There'll be a couple early adopters that pick it up and run with it, and they're going to know exactly what to do. And then there's going to be people that read the latest article in whatever Facebook group, and they're like, I got seven Storm Ravens, and I expect the auto win. And then they're not going to. And then they're going to be like, ah. So it's, it's going to be really interesting. I actually I can't wait to see how it goes down. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. So oh, the top table is is Mandrakes versus Bespins. I would some obscure unit versus some obscure unit, and then those just blow up. I would just guys. drop the mic and walk just away. <laughs> be like, it would be the most amazing <laughs> top table ever. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see how it goes down. But uh, the BAO, it's going to be great. I know a lot of people are coming, hoping just to walk in and get a ticket. We usually do have an attrition rate, so. Uh, if you're willing to take that chance, uh, you, you may be rewarded. Uh, and we usually try to accommodate everybody that shows up, but there is a limit on the space. Uh, and this, again, will be at Game Castle. It's going to be a wonderful event. We will be live streaming as well. They do have fiber there. They, oh, yeah. they, they paid for the fiber. So we're bringing the whole crew. Mariana's bringing all the streaming equipment. So we will be streaming both days, all day, top table. And uh, we will have uh, live uh, shout casting, all that fun stuff. So you all will get to see how it goes down at the BAO, too. Right, right on. And then lastly, in terms of event information, the Las Vegas Open 2018 registration, I can't believe it, but it's already coming up. Uh, every year we open registration in July, which is not very long from now. So we will be opening up uh, registration probably mid to late July. Make sure to uh, put a couple bucks aside. The main events for the Las Vegas Open sell out ridiculously quickly. Uh, 40k especially age of sigmar i anticipate it's going to go ham this year as well so please make sure to set aside a couple bucks so that you can grab your ticket early and not miss out because that is going to be this year is going to be ridiculous yeah it's yeah with eighth edition um i predict that we probably won't sell as quickly i think people might wait until after the bao or until after the meta solidifies a little but they also have a long time to prepare for the Las Vegas Open. So the Las Vegas Open, I think, is going to be the pinnacle of what 8th edition was meant to be, right? Because yep. by then, GW will have added more to the game, hopefully. Um, and then people will have fleshed out their armies more and painted more stuff. Um, so the Las Vegas Open is going to be crazy. It's, it's going to be unpredictable. Um, and I, I'm really excited. I, yeah. It's going to be a whole new game. If you look back uh, at the Las Vegas Open, if you look back to now... I think you're going to probably laugh at some of the lists people are running. 
It's well, it's going to be interesting, it, and absolutely, there's going to be early lists. To it, the game will be matured at that point yes. in time, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see what the masters of the game are playing then. Uh, it'll be really interesting. In the comment section, someone was asking if Lias Isolon can infiltrate Centurions. No, he cannot. Uh, his rule says he cannot infiltrate Terminator Centurions or Primaris Marines. The Primaris ones, I, always, I thought that was interesting. I was like, well, why? I wonder. Yeah. Like, maybe, like, not intercessor. I Inceptors he or he like, like them. That's that's it. They're just you know he just sees them. He's like you're not very stealthy. He's like you guys aren't. You're too big. You're too big. Get, <laughs> get out of here. Lay off the roids, bro. <laughs> Lias is a thinking man's uh, uh, captain. Chakalagor, bloodthirster or bloodletter. I'm sorry. Uh, Bloodbeard says come to the ATC. We we normally do come to the ATC. It's a wonderful event. I do like it. Our team captain uh, in control unfortunately is not available to go. And uh, uh, Frankie is out of the country. Um, it's just the timing this year just doesn't really work out. Yeah, it's, it's soon, right? It's it's in less than a month. It's in early July, mid July. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really. It's the timing for us this year. We we love going to support the event. It's a great event. It's one of the best events in in the states, in my opinion. Um, just it just didn't work out for us this year. Like nobody was available available to actually go. Uh, and then Captain Solace says he thinks that Eighth Edition is very rock paper scissors at high level play. I actually don't agree. It depends. If you're, if you're taking spam list, then absolutely, one million percent, yes it is, because someone's all one thing and someone's all the other thing that's the counter. Yeah, that's rock, paper, scissors. But if you take a well-rounded list, I think it's the opposite of rock, paper, scissors. I think it then really does come down to player skill and luck. Um, but anyway, guys, we'll, we'll go back over to the notes and uh, wanted to throw one last piece of news out there before I really dive into talking about um, or I guess continuing the discussion about the 8th edition tournament meta. Uh, we do have the industrial ITC terrain set and industrial FLG mat up for pre-order currently. Uh, you can hop into the store over at store.frontlinegaming.org. Pick yours up. Those will start shipping at the end of the week this week. And I have to say, I think this is one of the best looking sets of terrain. It looks beautiful. And mat we've made. It's, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it just looks great. And that industrial terrain actually works really well on multiple mats. I love it on the snow mat, war-torn snow-covered city we need to come up with shorter names for some of the mats um it looks really good on all of those but it was designed especially for industrial and as you can see on the picture uh there's sections of the mat that perfectly fit the terrain pieces yes right it's it looks great it really really does i think the crane is the star of the show on that one though the crane the 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 oh. crane the, how's oh, oh yeah the, the the big with the bars yeah oh yeah that's that's a cool and we, we experimented with putting those over the roads, two of them. Ugh, it's so badass. Just, although there was one at the LVO, um, the uh, oil drill mm -hmm. uh, at the LVO, which if you go to the LVO, the, the LVO train is, is, was amazing this year. Um, but the oil drill, I think, was my favorite. But unfortunately, it's not on this map, which, which is... The pump jack? The, is it pump jack? I, I the one that was, yeah, yeah. No, there's two of them on those. Oh, well, there you yeah. go. Never mind. I didn't so, see it, but I don't have my glasses, so... So anyway, guys, uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about the event we went to. First of all, it was at the At Ease Gaming Store and Tournament Center, which is up here in, uh, down here in San Diego, California. Amazing store. Oh, yeah. uh, really, it's attached to a brewery. What more could you ask for? Tons of tables, uh, awesome staff. They're really, they're our neighbors, and uh, technically they're our competitor, but they're a they're great store. And if you're ever in San Diego, you should jump in and check it out because it's pretty damn awesome. I've been to gaming stores all over the world. And I have to say, Addy's is uh, one of the better ones I've been to. Yes. In terms of like cleanliness, 
product selection, everything, really good store. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, Frontline Games is pretty badass too. But uh, we went and had a lot of fun. Thank you guys, everyone there for running it. We had a chance to, they didn't play like the ITC missions pure, like straight up, which is fine, no big deal. Um, they went with the auto go first mechanic um, and they changed the missions a little bit. Uh, you like kind of, it was a little fluid of a situation. Yeah, yeah. The the TO changed things on the fly. There was there was some. Um, the TO first off did a did a great job, especially considering the fact that he has very little eighth edition experience. Yeah. Um, and he kind of just got. I was talking to Ron a little bit earlier. The, the original TO actually had to take a rain check, um, and so this guy Savage just kind of jumped in there and I think did a pretty good job. I did um, a great job. Yeah. Uh, um, but the the big the two big changes he made um, on the fly were. He originally had us pick our deployment, or he picked the deployment zones for us, um, which kind of messed with the the uh, mission setup for GW. And it basically, if you if you knew what mission or what deployment map you were playing on, you could set the objectives in your favor. Right, um, because yeah, if you had if, if we knew the deployment zone before you put objectives and before you picked your deployment zone, you're like, oh well, they're all going in the perfect place. Right, because the guy who places the fourth, the second, and fourth objective. Um, for the first mission, for example, would just overload one side with essentially three objectives if your opponent places their objective in, in a deployment zone, which usually happens. That's usually the the go-to thing. Normally, you just put an objective in the deployment zone that's closest to you. That's and then an he automatic. puts his in right next to him. Yeah, and then he puts yeah. two right next to that one and then picks that deployment zone. And now, not only do you have to move all your models to the other side of the table, um, but now he has three objectives in his deployment zone, yeah. which is which can be frustrating. It forces the guy playing placing the first objective to just put it in the middle of the table. Yes. And then he's still at a disadvantage because he gets one in his deployment zone. Yes. So uh, very wisely, they decided to, to switch to rolling mm -hmm. for it, which I actually, that's one of my favorite changes in 8th edition is rolling for your deployment zone during the game. Yeah. I, I really like that a lot because when you're putting down the objectives, you're like, I don't know where these are going to go. Um, I don't know what the, the, what the, the deployment's going to be. Yeah. I, I, I think that's great. I really, really enjoy that, that change. And then they did switch to that, um, and I think that that was a very positive change. And then they did use power level. They, did, they uh, even though they didn't explicitly do this, I'll just say they used ITC style kill points, just because I'm sure that the people listening understand what that means. Um, where we did power level, and then first blood, say the warlord and linebreaker were ten points each. Yes. Uh, and it, I think it was a very positively received. Everyone that I spoke to, because I was curious. Yeah. It's like, how'd you guys feel about this? And everyone liked it a lot. Because um, the my opponent in kill points had like twenty eight kill points, and I oh. had I had nine. Yikes! And because of the, using power level for your kill points, we tied because he blew up my wraith knight. That was the only thing he killed in my whole army, and I killed like ten units. So if we were playing straight kill points, he would have had he would have had to table me to win, which there's no way he's gonna do with a wraith army that can hide. Right. That's impossible. It's an auto lose situation for him. And uh, in the way it worked out is um, I killed more points than him, but you have to have a t differential of ten or more. And I was only I only was up on him by seven. He made he made three six up saves in a row to keep three units from dying, which was the difference of the game. But hey, that, that's fine. How do you tie on power level points? That's that's just mind boggling. Well, his army was like hardcore MSU. Right. But so just, each one was only like three power level. Right, but but the chances, because I mean, because you're looking at variables, you're looking at probably what 100 power level points each plus first blood line breaker. It's, a, and it's roughly 130 points. Right, right, yep. and you guys tied. Yeah, 
And the only reason we tied is because I got first blood. Right. Because, you know, obviously he has 12 individual spawn, like 12 individual artillery pieces. Yeah. Well, I was like, I got, I auto got first turn because I have a nine drop army. Right. So, and again, I want to talk about that too. My army goes, went first every single game because I had nine drops. And it was like my opponents, I got first blood every single game. Yes. And it's like, come on, like, that is not positive. I know there's a lot of people advocating for the auto go first, but it's like when you really dig down into the nuts and bolts of high level competitive play, it's very not a positive thing in my opinion and in the opinion of every other major tournament organizer involved with the playtesting. But um, I got the first blood and I was just picking off all of his artillery pieces. And then he did, he had a miracle round of shooting with Basilisks, blew up the Wraith Knight and he got 27 power level. Nice. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a game. <laughs> Cause I mean, it's like, all I did was I, it was my Wraith Knight and Wraith Lord versus his whole army. I hid everything else. Cause I knew I was like, I can outshoot you. Right. And I was just picking stuff off. And I knew if I got first blood, it was pretty much a wrap. So I just dedicated everything to getting first blood. And then I was just picking things off. But then he got lucky and blew up the right line. I was like, oh, wow, it's a game. But had he been kill points, it would have been a wipeout. He had zero chance of beating me. Yes. Because all you have to do is hide one model out of line of sight, and he literally cannot beat me. It's mathematically impossible. But I don't think I need to convince anybody that straight kill points is no. not optimal for tournament play. Yeah, no, and I think I think my, uh, my opinion on it is I think it's very more it's a lot more neutral um, I think that in general 90% of the games you play kill points power level it won't really matter a whole lot um, but there are some games like reset that actually I didn't think about um, where some games are auto loses just because of the way GW w w just because of the way the mission was designed it was, it's just kill points first blood linebreaker warlord no progressive mission nothing else and when you have just that simple of a mission you can get games like Reese's where if there was kill points one player's just going to automatically lose. Um, and so I think that switching over to power level, I, I've changed my opinion on it a little bit more. I think now there's no reason not to, just because there it plays all, I almost identically to kill points on most of the games I've seen, but if it enables a player to win a game that they would have lost, I don't see that as a negative at all. It, like Pablo was saying, because you were doing the math on like a normal army versus a normal army, right. and you're like, it's kind of the same. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. What power level instead, and you could just do victory points also, right? Like right. it's not that big of a difference, but what power level does is it, it evens out the outliers. Like the knight, the, the super heavy army with four kill points, and then the MSU army, sometimes unintentionally like Tau, where every unit of drones is an individual kill point, who's gonna have 20, 30 kill points, or an artillery army like the gentleman I played, he had a renegades army, where they're like, if it's real kill points, I can't win unless I draw another MSU army, it's not, it's not, that's not, this is just not good for a tournament, right? Like it's just not a healthy, enjoyable way to play a fair game because it's inherently unfair. Like if you play a knight army with Tau, for example, unless you can kill all three knights or four knights, all they have to do is just shoot your drones and that's a wrap. And if you have the auto go first mechanic, they're going first, they're getting first blood unless you can hide everything on the table. It's just, that it's so skewed towards unfair that it becomes, in my opinion, not a positive tournament gaming experience. In casual play, do it, do whatever you want, have a good time. But for a tournament where someone's going with the intent to have a, a fair chance at winning with any army, which is the ultimate goal, then you do need to modify things somewhat. Yeah, I agree. 
I, no. I, before I was hesitant, but now I, I see it after seeing it in a tournament and just thinking about it more and talking to a bunch of people about it. I think I agree. I think, yeah. I think you're right. Because there's a lot of armies that just, they, they stack kill points and not like, it's just the way the army is. Yes. Like, and the, one of the other arguments about they go for auto go first is that, and again, in playtesting, we've got hundreds and hundreds of reps, right? And it, someone made a good point. Like, we're not trying to big league anybody and say that we're automatically right, you're automatically wrong, or that we're unfallible. No, that's not what we're trying to say. It's just from lots and lots of experience, we saw that, that in time, certain armies became less and less and less likely to be played, right? If you have an auto go first mechanic, there are some armies that rely on getting the chance to go first. Drukari, perfect example. If they never go first unless they seize the initiative or it's to their disadvantage, like their opponent has a beta strike out of reserve army, and they're always getting the short end of the stick, people will bring those armies less frequently. Drukari are really good, but they need the opportunity to go first because it's an MSU shooting army. Yes. So they will never go first against an optimized alpha strike go first army with the auto go first mechanic. And what we saw is that you got less and less list diversity. It became who can pack in the most firepower and the least amount of drops or do reserve manipulation to do a beta strike army. And then the counter to that is like my opponent round two where he's like, screw it. I'm taking 12 individual units of spawn and 12 individual artillery units because I don't, I'm never going to go first anyway. What do or, I care? Or worse yet, like 400 brimstones or something like that. Yeah, something, yeah. something that your opponent just can't alpha strike off the table. Um, and then he might he might lose all his kill point games, but he's definitely gonna try and win those objective games. Um, so it, I, I agree. Um, I, I think I think it's I have, obviously I don't have as much experience as you, um, but I see it now. And yeah, and it's like we didn't like you guys too. Like you got to remember. Like I know, and people always get in a, a huff about some of these things. Like all the people involved with the tournament organization and then the testing and stuff with the relationship that we have with GW. Like I mean think it through when I'm just pulling stuff out of our rear end for no reason, right? Like just apply some logic to this situation. Like we're not flying off the handle, just making crap up for no reason. Right. So this all comes from a, a place of deep thought, much consideration. We're not trying to like tell everybody what to do. If you want to run an event and use the auto go first mechanic, like we did this weekend, by all means, go for it. Have fun. Yeah. Um, but just bear in mind what that means. Like my army has surprisingly good long range shooting. I got first blood every single game. I had a huge advantage. I well, won most of my games. Well, not our game. You didn't get first blood our game. Um, no, you just killed the quad mortar. Oh, that's right, because in our game, I didn't need to. No, you there didn't There was no to. first blood in our game. I got first blood. So, and why don't we talk about that game, too? And again, okay. like, this is, some good, this is some good critique on the Relic. And again, the ITC missions that we've got right now, these are not, like, these were because people needed something this last weekend. So we, we hustled, we got it out, we tried to keep as close to the book as possible. Like we will come out with advanced ITC missions or whatever the hell we're gonna call it. We'll leave these as kind of like the entry point because I think it's a good way to get going. Like say you've got a young community and you want to get people playing in the game, just go here. Let's just play like the entry level ITC mission or whatever, yeah. uh, simplified. Yeah. Uh, we'll eventually come out with progressive and end of game because we were talking about it. The Maelstrom missions in this edition are actually super fun. They're, they're a blast, and we'd love to incorporate those in. Um, but if you don't, um, uh, without that progressive element, if you are just using the book missions as kind of as they stand, uh, we played the Relic. We rolled up a deployment, uh, Dawn of War deployment, 
Uh, I have an autark with wings. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me let me tell this story. Okay. Let me. Okay. So, so I, I show up to to the table. I'm playing Reese. Reese immediately looks unhappy. He's he's like he's he's bummed. I didn't know why. I thought I thought he was mad at me. I thought he was tired. So, we roll up. He gets to go first. I know that if he goes first, I'm in trouble. And he has less drops than I am, so well, he's probably I'm going guaranteed first. guaranteed to, to go, go first. first. So, I, like, how is that? That's not a we, that's we not a question. So, I'm guaranteed the first turn. So, so we determine who's going first. I figure I've already lost this game. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that that maybe I, I table him or I stop him from getting the relic. But I figure I'm probably going to lose this game unless he lets me go first, which which wasn't going to happen. But he, he just looks really defeated. I'm like, why is he? Why is he so? Well, he's about to win. He should be happy. But then, as he explained the relic, and as we talked about it, the the minute your autark jumped on the board, and the game was like decided, it was over. And, and I told you, okay, I guess I'm going to have to table you the re- everything but the autark now, um, because honor dictates I kill everything but the autark. Um, the game got a lot more fun and enjoyable. Uh, but but I thought that was kind of funny. That- I'll, I'll extrapolate out too, like. Because the relic is, is is very different. Like now in 8th edition, the relic is just the relic. There's no first blood. There's no slay the warlord. There's no line breaker. And the way it worked is that I looked at the board and I knew I was from the moment go because the auto go first mechanic, I was like, I will absolutely get first turn unless Pablo can seize. Yes. So he has like a 16.6% chance of probably winning this game. So all I did was run my whole, all my wraith units forward. I did get lucky and I got... I needed one unit to roll a five on its run. I got two that rolled a six. My Wraith Lords run in front of the Relic. My Autark jumps on the Relic as an infantry model, picks it up. The, the Wraith Lords are in front. Pablo, of course, has to shoot them. He can't shoot the Autark because he's first. I'm Yunari. All I didn't have to do is as soon as he dies, Soul Burst behind three rows of Wraith Guard. Good night. That's it. Game's over. Yeah. And, and, that, and that, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> um, but if I had seized, and then this is this is where this is where I, I realized I, I didn't like it as well because if I had seized, I could have layered three units of heavy bolters in front of Isodon. Yeah, you would have deep struck on it. Yeah, it would have deep struck on it, and then my scouts would have came in from where I put them, and they would have came in advanced and covered Isodon, and then gotten Isodon to my line where Gilliman could just kind of pat him on the back and go like, "Good job, you got the relic," uh, even though we lost all of those heavy bolters, yeah, all those heretical jumping marines um but and and that's not i don't think that's fun either way i think if i seize and reese loses automatically i think that's not fun and then obviously uh, i did my best to have fun but um we ultimately had a good laugh of a game we yeah we did have a really fun game and you damn near tabled me yes but and i damn near tabled you too that was a brutal (laughs) soul burst on d scythe wraith guard is insane holy crap but any Bobby G ran up the table like a champion. Yeah. It just wasn't meant to be. But um, can you scroll up? There was a comment I wanted to reply to. Sure. But yeah, it's like so the relic as it stands, like in a situation like that. Like I think anybody um, in the old ye old days of um, uh, bikes going onto it and then turbo boosting back. You know what I mean? It, there, there's some challenges with that mission um, right out the gates. So uh, someone made a comment which I don't. Uh, or scroll up. We'll see if we can find it. There we go. So Ty Winning says, uh, we know any changes done to the ITC isn't for the betterment of the community, but is to make your armies better. Oh, I miss, he's being sarcastic. I hope he's being sarcastic. I thought I was actually going to make a serious response. I misread it. But um, yes, Ty Winning, as you all know, it's all a devious plot so that I can win. Although that's, I don't even get to play that much. So I mean, he drinks Tau Tier. Tau, anyways. Tau Tears? Tau Tears. No, not anymore. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. But, 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 but oh, yeah. I hope, I hope not. <laughs> 
no more of that, please. Um, it just it, the relic presents some challenges. So the one one of the things we wanted to present to the um, to the community is especially as particularly the BO community, as in the last podcast, we're at length we dug into like why we're doing everything that we're doing. So what what I would like to present for the BAO community is uh, we have I would say we probably have a week, uh, maybe a week and, and, and a half to make this decision is we want to present the ITC advanced missions, whatever the heck we call them. Maybe, I don't know, whatever. We'll come up with it. I don't want it to seem like, oh, you're like lame if you don't play. You know what I right, mean? Like right. ITC competitive and ITC, I don't know, what, what, whatever. What, I'm, we'll come up with the names later. But we'll come up with missions that are more like old school ITC missions where it's you have end of game and progressive. And let us know if you're going to the BAO and I'm going to be sending out a newsletter if you would like us to go ahead and jump into that for the BAO, or if you feel more comfortable playing the simpler missions because you're still uploading all the information, which if that's the case, that's totally understandable and that's fine. Um, but just bear in mind, there are some challenges with missions like the Relic. I think Kill Points, I think is cool now. Um, I think that's that one's pretty yeah. even, Steven. Yeah, I think, I, think it's, I think it's fun, I think it's fine. Uh, a little bit more bookkeeping but I didn't really see the pro. I just wrote down the power level next to all of my units, and it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it, it roughly comes out to 100 plus or minus 15. Yeah. So it's not perfectly aligned. Like, some armies will have more, some armies will have less, but that's kind of the way kill points is too. So I feel like it's like, it's a little bit more reflective of... It, it, it does shape the meta a little bit though. Like, for example, my devastators are seven kill points each. Right, so, yep. so or seven power level points each. So spamming them becomes a lot harder for me. Um, but it also hurts like brimstone horrors, who I think are five power levels. Yeah, but, but like brimstone horrors are like bonkers good. So are we are we Anything, really upset? Ex exactly. That's that's yeah. my point. Is that is that it, it nerfs which is good. Ooh. Uh, but team stormbolter. That is a, that's I the name. Combined arms missions. That's like that. way better. That's good than the word I was throwing out. Thanks. I'm, I'm sorry. Finish oh, your thought. Well, anyways, the, the point is is that. It, it, as I was de designing different lists to match power levels, I just I noticed that my lists were changing, and I think that the meta would shift a little bit. And, and, and that whether that's good or bad, I have no idea. Um, obviously, I don't know the power level points of every single unit, period. Um, so, I, and I think the players will find that, but it, it will shift the meta a little. It, it will make some units more playable and some units less playable. Um, it'll make players who are focused on winning, going five and zero. It'll make them change their lists maybe dramatically maybe not yeah so but, I mean, that's the, the high level player is always going to optimize and then the, right. the player that plays for fun doesn't <laughs> just brings his army anyway brings his army. so it's like a lot of what we're talking about only applies to like the top 10 percent anyway so it's like uh, i want to hear everybody's opinion on it um so we'll, we'll answer a couple questions because people are firing out some really good uh, some really good questions team stormbolter the itc combined arms missions as the more advanced ones i, I love like i love that i think that's freaking awesome i think we're actually going to take that uh, Rick Lington says relic missions should be like basketball. The relic has to be brought back to the receptacle for two to three VP and brought back too early. It can be stolen by your opponent. I'm just going to, something. Just, if that were to happen, I'm just going to replace Gilliman with a Shaq model. Yeah. <laughs> He's go over there. I'm going to have Rodman. Rod Dennis Rod. Blocks you. Um, but, uh, K dash, um, power levels are calculated based on the, uh, just the base cost of the squad, not based on their no, upgrades. I think it's, it's, it's based on the average cost of the squad with all upgrades. Okay. I believe that is how they calculate power level. Okay. Um, um, but the thing is, for, for our purposes on your list, you would write what the power level of the unit would be if you were playing a power level game. Simple. Easy. So it's like if your Devastator squad has five dudes 
and you took three more guys, it'd be the power level plus five. Right. right. It's really simple. Like my Wraith Knight was, I think, 27 power level. Just write that on the side. And then if someone completely destroys it, you get that. Right. So a knight army is, uh, if you have four knights, it would be 101, uh, or I'm sorry, 108. Um, no, no, yeah. It'd be 108 um, um, kill points in our style. Uh, again, though, the knights still have the advantage because they're barely ever going to give up first blood. Um, Linebreaker is pretty easy for them to get. Slay the Warlord, eh? depends. But um, the other thing to remember, too, guys, is that this, this is really early in the game, and um, things will, will evolve and change and get more complex as codexes come out, too. And, so. and the other thing about power level that actually I wanted to ask you about, Reese, um, was for artillery units. When they split into two units, they still, excuse me, they still share the same power level. Uh, so how would that be? How would that be? Would you have to destroy both units then at that point? I'm sorry, say it one more time. Um, so artillery units, like for example. Oh, I know that that one needs clarification. Right. That came up in our game too because it's like uh, I think you have to destroy the gun and the crew, but each gun and crew is one kill point or power level or whatever. Right. Right. So when you treat it that way, we have to kill the crew and the gun. It actually is pretty hard to get them, but right. um, that is the way I read it. Is that each one is its own individual? It would be its own kill point or power level kill points, however you play it. If you play straight kill points, artillery is just a lead weight dragging you down. Yes. Because each unit's like five kill points. You're like, okay. Oh, no. Uh, Rick, Rick Lington, do you think tourneys will be power level or points cost? I can tell you with complete, like 100% certainty that tournaments were not meant to be played power level. Power level is meant to be played for casual play, for narrative play, for apocalypse play. But can you run a tournament with power level? Absolutely. If, you, if that's what your community enjoys doing, Go for it. Match play with points, that was designed for tournament competitive play. Um. Uh, Geekmaster, uh, the stream cut out on your end. Uh, were there any specific dates in July mentioned for ticket sales, or was it just July? A mid to late July, mid to late for, July. for the LVO. Um, yes, Cave Earthu, is uh, the ITC going to FAQ Celestine to be unique? Good question. Um, the ITC is not going to be answering rules questions as much as is humanly possible. Why? It's a pain in the butt. I don't like getting screamed at by everybody on the internet. Uh, I don't I hate doing it. And we don't have to anymore. GW has taken that responsibility on. Yeah. They will be answering all your rules questions. Um, maybe not 100% of them, but they'll be answering as many as possible. Uh, and they're going to be doing it professionally, expediently. Like they've like they've been doing it for the past year. Yeah. So I think you've, you've, you guys have seen it in 7th, how they're doing it. Yeah. Um, and expect them to continue that behavior. And if I was a betting man, I would bet that they answer a ton of your questions, like Celestine, which that's obviously a typo. She's unique. Uh, they'll be answering questions like that, I would say, probably very soon. Yeah. And uh, anyway, guys, if you have any more questions, please fire them uh, our way. But uh, yeah, we, we had a great time at the tournament. Uh, we've been kind of digging into the real like nitty gritty of uh, tournament theory, mission design. And uh, I think that that's interest maybe guys like us a little bit more than, than everybody else. But it's super important for a fun event. Um, but again, if you're going to the BAO, make sure to keep your eye on your email inbox or uh, comment on this blog post. Let, let us know, are you guys ready to go into the uh, combined arms style missions, which will have a progressive element and an end of game element? Or would you prefer to stay with, um, you know, a little bit more simpler, just a mo slightly modified eternal war missions? Let us know what you guys think and uh, we can adapt to that 
Uh, a couple, couple. I'm sorry, oh, go ahead. Good. Also, uh, Chapter Tactics, tune in to it on Sunday. I know someone asked me about when Chapter Tactics was. It's going to be every Sunday morning, um, as early as I can possibly get it to go. And I will be talking more about this tournament in length, as well as the Boise Cup GT. Um, so I know I know we didn't talk about that a whole lot here, the Boise Cup GT or the my matches or all of Reese's matches. Um, so I will be talking a little more about that on Chapter Tactics. Um, so if you want to stay a awesome. little away from the tournament theory and go into more of the meta and the competitiveness, if you like that talk, it's for you. Couple, we'll answer a couple quick questions here before we sign off. Um, Apocalypse bought his first map from us. Thank you so much. Uh, scroll down, buddy. Um, someone was asking why are Scions nine points and a command squad are six points. Uh, Scions have a better gun, they have better armor, and they can deep strike quite a bit better. Uh, command squads have none of those things. They're all both BS3+. Plus. Um, is there a, pl a plan for a ban list for Lords of War or General Forge World stuff like there was in 7th? Good question. Everyone's asking that. Um, right now, the, the, the rule is that everything is good to go. However, um, if I was you guys, I would keep a very close eye on Games Workshop's community page as I would um, anticipate that they might be giving us some guidance on some of these questions because some of the Forge World stuff is... There are, there are definitely some um, challenges there. And assassins are fairly costed. I think assassins are. are fairly costed. They're I just think kill. you can take too many of the damn things. Oh, you shouldn't be able to take eight. I agree with you there. I, I think you should be able to take maybe like two of each at the most, but that's just my opinion, strictly my opinion. Uh, but I think the assassins are fairly costed. Oh, yeah. 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 They, they do that die relatively. Vindicare is pretty hard to kill, though. I, I want to see five Vindicares pop up behind Gilliman and snipe characters, and they're just like... Boop, 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 that come out of his armor. Yeah. And then just as a rule of thumb, guys, on all the Forge World stuff, if it's written funny or it seems goofy, it probably is. Um, so if you see something that seems like, like there's two ways to read it. One of it is insanely powerful and one of it seems normal. The normal one is the one you should go with. <laughs> just as a rule of thumb, I'll, I'll let you know that. Uh, anyway, guys, thank you so much uh, for, for listening and joining us today. Um, hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to tune in tonight at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It'll be myself versus the Raw Dog. We have two hyper elite armies, very low model count armies. Oh, it's going to be yeah. a lot of fun. My Wraith army has been doing really well. I've only lost once so far. It's been a blast to play it. And uh, the Raw Dog is really ramping up his skill and knowledge of the 8th edition. And he's loving playing the Grey Knights. Last time it was all infantry. This time he's taking all paladins and nice. Grey Knights. So it'll be a, a lot of fun. Pretty army too. Pretty armies. All right, guys, thank you so much, and we will see you later tonight.